When you date yourself, okay, someone comes along, you, you, you know, you look after yourself well, you care for yourself well, you know, you value yourself in a way that makes you feel great. When you date somebody who comes along and offers you less, you can spot it. Hello everyone and welcome to My Love Is, a podcast brought to you by Bumble, the popular dating app where women make the first move. I'm Irene Titiwaye, your host, and we're back with our final episode, guys. Uh, I'm so sad that the season is ended, but you know, because it's the last episode, you know it's only right that we go out with a bang. And you know, we need to be focused. So we're going to dig deep this episode. We will be decoding and hopefully learning and unlearning some negative traits when it comes to dating. And to help me do this, I have the incredible Dawn Estefan, qualified and registered psychodynamic psychotherapist, and Vic Hope, a broadcaster, presenter and activist. I'm so excited to have you both with me here. How are you guys? Yeah, I'm doing good. <laughs> good. Thank you so much for having us. We're so like ready to talk about this. Do you know what I mean? It's, the, it's that subject. <laughs> yeah, it's definitely a subject that's absolutely dominated my sessions over this year. So looking forward to it. I feel like there's so much knowledge in this Zoom room, I like to call it. Um, Vic, you're a Cambridge graduate, which I'm sure your Nigerian parent is very proud of. <laughs> and Dawn, <laughs> Dawn, I can be listing your accolades all day long, but I'm going to need this knowledge today, guys, because we're exploring the big guns. I'll be picking your brains on like the impact of social pressure on dating, confidence. And since we're all above 30, I really wanted us to talk about the pressures of feeling like you have to be coupled up and have it all kind of worked out by 30 so yeah like I said the big guns um so yeah so let's get started so I'll be honest you know I've been on socials over the years my feed has kind of changed I love love I love seeing love I love receiving love but you know a lot of what I am seeing on socials at the moment are engagements weddings announcements babies pregnancies you know anniversaries and you see a lot of couples in love what effects do you guys think this has on single people and how we receive this in our dating lives what you said at the beginning like oh you've got Nigerian parents you must be so proud that that you went to Cambridge yeah but there's still a lot of Nigerian pressure to be married and I am not that so I've, <laughs> I, I've succeeded on one hand and failed on the other well, not failed but I'm not there yet according to that sort of conditioning do you know what I mean I love love as well I love receiving it. I love giving it I'm not in a position to give it at the moment because I haven't found someone that I'd prefer to spend my time with than myself or my friends but I feel a little bit ostracized for that I definitely when I'm amongst friends and pretty much all my friends are settled now, I definitely feel the pressure because they're all like, have you found anyone yet? As though that's my goal. And I think that we kind of make it seem like it's a goal. The way that it holds such high esteem um, when we talk about it on social media. And don't get me wrong, a part of me would love to post a picture with someone sometimes because I just, I don't know, you're just seeing everyone else doing it. And it makes you think, am I missing something? And I know that I'm good. I know I've got everything I need. I know what I'm working towards, but sometimes it does eat away at you, doesn't it? I definitely have noticed a pattern of people who are at sort of end of their 20s and suddenly deciding that they're going to really try and pull everything together so that they can enter the next decade of their lives. What I'm seeing around the kind of early 30s is this whole pressure not just from the family as it traditionally was, but also from the media, from socials, on what you should be doing at this age. 
And um, one of the most important things I think that you pointed out is it often takes our attention away from the things that we have got and the things that we are doing at this moment in time. And in that sense, I think it's really sad because I think we just we don't get to enjoy the stage of life that we're at for the moment in the moment. And one thing that this uh, pandemic has definitely taught us is that life is not really ours to plan as we'd like it to. This thing came out of the blue and changed all our plans. And actually, whether it's this year or any other year, this is how we got to look at life. We should really be trying to grab everything we can in this moment and enjoy it for what it is. Oh, I love that. One thing that has come out of COVID for me is that real deep reflection time and the effects of maybe like generational trauma of what has been passed on and how I view and how I wish I want to receive love. Can you maybe share a little bit more on like how your early experiences can maybe reflect how you view love? We say in psychology that our first love object is our mother. And that sets the foundations for our capacity to love or to be welcome to love or to search for love. But I'm going to broaden it out a little bit and say that our ideas about love are set in the bosom of the family. Okay, so we may think about what are our external influences about what we're looking for, what's important to us, what our core values are. But actually, those things, those ideals, those values are set deep inside the unconscious So when we're out there looking for our potential partner, we're generally going to be looking for something that feels really comfortable to us and known, even if it's uncomfortable. So we've got this kind of unconscious mind that's like a puppet master that steers what we're looking for. So what we need to remember is, is that a lot of our ideals come from the experiences that we had and the things that we saw that inform our narrative about love. So that's how our early experiences form our kind of dating experience later on in our adult years. How does our expectations of relationships affect the reality of relationships? I think sometimes we we blatantly are looking for something that we've seen before. I'm just trying to think of a recent session that I had where someone was talking to me about their looking at their older sister and really wanting that relationship. It seemed like that her and her partner were really in love. And this young lady that was speaking to me was saying to me that she really wanted something like that. However, we can also do this really strange thing where we seek to repair something that happened in our earlier lives that we didn't have the power to change. So for example, a father leaving the home, you're a child, you don't have the ability to control that, you don't feel that you've got power. So in your later life, what you will do is possibly pick up a partner that's got some similar attributes to the person that left, whether it be mother or father, and then you will hope to fix them. So I I think you all must be familiar with that, I'm going to fix my man or my woman situation. What it is, is is that you're seeking to repair something you didn't have the power to, to repair when you were younger, And so when you get to an adult, you have all the power in the world and you're going to repeat that pattern, repeat that relationship and seek to change the ending. So that's one of the ways that what we're looking for can be influenced by our past experiences. I've had two main relationships, two long term ones. When they broke down eventually, I think there was a subconscious part of me that was saying this can't last because this isn't the family unit that you know. They don't like the same things that your mum and dad 
enjoy together and that's worked so this can't work because that's what you need in life that's where you're comfortable that doesn't necessarily mean that they were bad relationships at all but I just I it was like I couldn't see a future with them because I couldn't identify my past in them that's really funny because you say it was a subconscious thing that's the wonder of the way that our minds work we have our conscious minds where we feel like we're ruling everything we know what we're doing I'm going to control what I'm looking for but there is a subconscious narrative underneath that kind of steers the decisions that we make in the end so you might might say you know I think it's your duty when you come into the next generation to do you know to be a rebel and to do everything differently but there are some things that are set inside that we're not really aware of that will really steer the direction of where we're going through what do we want what are our core values what are our desires in life so it makes sense what you're saying and it goes from in peaks and troughs as well because I've gone into some relationships very much looking towards a future together and looking towards a family unit together. And that is usually at a time when other parts of my life are tumultuous. I want settling. Whereas when things are are pretty settled at work and I know where I stand, I know what's going on. That's when I go into relationships for love's sake, literally just to have a good time. And they're they're the partners that I found have been a little bit more different from the people that I know, the people I feel comfortable with, the the, the family that I might be trying to mould this like notion of a future with. And yes, they tend not to work in the long run because then you're like, (laughs) "Uh, no, we don't actually go together. But we've had so much fun for that short three months, but it couldn't last beyond that. So it's so much about like where, where I am in my life influences what connections I'm capable of making at that time and what I want out of those connections. But when that goes away, because life is evolutionary, it's transient, it changes all the time, then the relationships change as well. So I do wonder, like, when will I find someone who can stand the test of time, no matter what part of life I am in? I agree with you. On this podcast, a lot of the messaging has been stressing that a relationship and couple goals, it's always kind of highlighted to us that that's the be all and end all. We must rush through everything else to get to that end destination when actually what we should be doing, yeah, is enjoying that process, enjoying the dating process, enjoying getting to know each other, but also enjoying becoming the best versions of ourselves. So we actually know what it is we want and we don't want, you know? Yeah, I feel like every relationship that I've had be it long or short, um, profound or physical, I've learned so much about other people and I've learned so much about myself. And I feel like I'm gradually building a picture of what it is that I'm looking for. But then in truth, I'm actually not looking for anything. You just know when you find it, you know when something's good and that doesn't mean it's always going to be good. But coming to accept that, that things can go bad and that doesn't take away from what you had when it was good, has been quite a powerful thing. But it's all gone in tandem with me learning to love myself I think above all else love my own quality time love the power of solitude love my space this haven that I have it's like anyone else can come into that they could be like the cherry on top but I've got to be such a bad analogy I've got to be the whole cake the whole (laughs) sponge (laughs) do you know what I mean they could they have to they have to work with my world and I'm still building that but I think that society keeps wanting to take away from me building that and I don't know whether that's because I'm a woman um and you know the be all and end all should be settling down but I just need time I need more time than possibly other people do but that's because that's just me I've always been a slow developer Do you know what? I really like that cake analogy as well, because I'm thinking about the I'm thinking about a Victoria sponge and I'm thinking about the different layers that it has as well. 
And I think that's when you do become the cake that people want to enjoy, because I think that's when you've developed yourself to the point where you understand that there are different layers to you. One of the things that I find a little bit worrying about the the setting of goals, I think it's very important to have, like I said, your core values, the things that are really important to you and the things that you may or may not be looking for. But I also think with that word set, if you think about setting, it feels like something that's very concrete and doesn't have very much movement to it. And I think when you set things in that way, you miss the opportunity of experiencing something different. You miss the opportunity of having an adventure. And I think that's one of the differences between having a relationship and deciding that you're just going to enjoy dating. They're two very different things. And that's why you get two very different outcomes when you experience both. But it's really important for you to experience both so that you can then get to a stage where you're ready. And that's when you will know that you're ready because you've had a full range of experiencing and you feel more like a complete person. Readiness is such an interesting notion, isn't it? Because it's so ephemeral. I'm like, what is ready? How will I know when I'm ready? But the problem that I've had is that everyone says that 30 is the age where you're ready. It's like it's got a badge. It's like (laughs) you've reached 30, now you're ready. What does that mean? And why this age? But yeah, that's so right. Like, I feel like I'm getting there and I will get there because I'm, I'm learning like as I go and I'm enjoying, I'm enjoying dating. But I just need other people to not tell me that I'm ready. And for me to be able to be the one to say, okay, I'm ready now. We're all so different. I'd I mean, I'm just looking at the the three faces that are on this screen. We're all very different just to even look at. And before we even start to kind of dig down into what makes us who we are, how can it be possible that everybody's going to be ready at the same time? Um, And I also think that some of these things are buried in some antiquated or safety or knowledge around what's supposed to happen at a certain time in life and maybe certain things that are biological as well. So perhaps it's these things, these ideals come from maybe child rearing ages, childbirth, when you're supposed to be at your most able to have children, etc, etc. And they kind of have then moved into kind of societal values or rules around what should happen when. My family from uh, Cuba and we, like, it's a completely different thing. Like, people are dating and happily dating into their 50s. There's no side eye. There's no kind of judgment around, is that respectable or is that not respectable? You know, it's a very different lifestyle. You've still got life and vitality when you get into your later years as a woman. I think it really does depend on... It's a cultural construct and a societal construct. And I think it's very much depends, love depends on where you're living. Dawn, are there any tips um, on how to stay positive whilst dating? Um, I would say that the first thing that's really important really is, is to just not let your whole life evolve around the dating. You know, just keep adding to yourself, having different experiences, enjoying life, filling your life with different experiences actually that adds to your dating experience. You've got more to bring to the table, okay? I think the next thing would be to remind yourself that dating is a really fun part of life and that you should be enjoying it. And I know everyone says it, but I'm going to repeat it. You know, it's not a destination, it's a journey. And it's a journey that you should enjoy. If you think about if you were literally going on a journey and you were only focused on the destination, how many wonderful sights you would miss on the way? And that's the way that you should look at your dating experience. I think you should also decide in advance to challenge yourself to have a new experience. It's really good to have core values, think about the things that are important to us. But I think it's also important for you to be open to something new. So maybe if you're going to 
be dating, decide that one in every three or four of those dates that you have is going to be not what you think is your norm. Focus your attention on something different. Did we have a great conversation, for example? Have we got the same interest, even though maybe visually that person might not be someone you'd normally go for? I'm just saying, enjoy it. And and it's like shopping, (laughs) you know, go out there, try a few different things on. And I also think as well, I don't know how you guys are going to feel about this, but I think there is really something about um, surrounding yourself with people who are in a really negative rut around dating as well. I think it's good to share experiences and, and for us to have a balanced view that not all experiences are great and that there's some negative experiences. But I think there really is something about what you surround yourself with and how that uplifts you. You know, particularly for me and women in in my age group, I'm in my 50s, and I find that women are really negative around dating experiences, like you shouldn't be dating or why are you still dating? I try to surround myself with women who haven't got that mindset. So surround yourself with people who make you feel inspired about dating. Those are my tips for today. So I'm Nigerian and weddings and marriage are a big part of my culture. So it's funny that you said that, Dawn, because, you know, when I go to family events and, you know, aunties are always like, you know, there's this whole thing. It's called when will you marry? Like, I literally know, like when I'm going into this event or I'm going to a family function, I'm literally having anxiety because I know from some angle, someone's going to try and tackle me and be like, where is your husband? When When will you marry? You know, and it's funny because I laugh it off now and because I know who I am and I'm so comfortable within myself I'm at a space where I can discuss it not in a aggressive way um, and I kind of laugh it off but I feel like sometimes there's so much pressure that can maybe drive you into the hands of the wrong person and I always say this like let's be honest guys we're beautiful girls we're buff <laughs> if, the, if we really were about that let's sit down and be focused lifestyle we could really find somebody and sit down you know but actually it's about the journey and the importance of finding the right person that you want to sit down with. And why does this kind of being married before a certain age exist for women and in particular, more so for black women? I have the same. I called my grandma the other day. She's in in Nigeria. I was like, happy birthday, grandma. I'm being really nice. I'm sending her a nice message. (laughs) Happy birthday. Why are you not married? I am going to die. I will die and I will not see you married. I'm worried. So I was like, I was just calling to say happy birthday, grandma. You're right. But um, every time, and actually I was at, I was at a Nigerian wedding before the lockdown. It was one of the last things I went to. Um, and one of my relatives sat me down. He was like, you broke up with your last boyfriend. That was going well. It was a long-term relationship. And I was like, yeah, it just wasn't right. He was like, well, why would you do it now? You can have to find someone else now. It's getting late. It's this idea of you're now going to have to go back to square one. Why would you get rid? You literally had someone and you got rid of them. I said, but but I'd rather be single than be with someone I don't want to be with. (laughs) Do you know what I mean? Why is square one there? And yet square two is what I would consider to be square minus one. Because you've got further to go if you're in a relationship that is wrong for you than being on your own because at least then the future's looking bright (laughs) so dawn how do we kind of maybe filter through some of these societal and cultural expectations you know and how does this pressure affect our mental health as well i think first and foremost if we just go back to earlier on the conversation was around kind of where are our notions and our values around who we date and when we should be dating and when we should be getting married are born. I suppose in a way there isn't a way that you can get away from these societal things because they're inset, they're deeply set inside the psyche and they have a control to a certain extent. 
it's also a very difficult balance, actually, trying to keep your, your family and the expectations of your family at bay and to be able to find out what it is that you desire. I think for the most part, what people find is, is they really dig deep and look for what it is that they're looking for. So I always say to clients, well, what is it that you're looking for? And they give me their standardized answer. I call it their PR answer. They know it, you know, off heart. It bears no resemblance to the truth. This is what they've got used to saying. And then I say, okay, so you've asked yourself that question. Now, can you ask yourself the question again? And I ask the question again and ask them to take some time, take a few minutes, close your eyes, do some breathing, ground yourself. And then think about the answer that just comes from deep inside your chest. You know, when people say, I have felt that with my chest, I spoke with my chest. It's like, well, think, feel it, you'll hear it. And the issue is, is how how used to listening to our inner voice that we are. And I think there's so much noise around us a lot of the time, whether we're dealing with issues of love and relationships, we've got all the noise from the family, all the noise from the friends, all the noise from the social media, that we very often don't really understand what it is or don't know what it is that our inner voice, our inner self desires. And that's why in terms of having a relationship or dating, it's also important for you to date yourself a little bit, for you to know exactly what it is that, that you're looking for. Oh, Dawn, you have to say that louder for the people at the back. Yeah. Louder for the people at the back. You have to date yourself. You have to. You have to. You have to love yourself. I know that when I was little in the playground, if you said, oh, you love yourself, it was an insult. Remember, it was like, oh, you're big headed. But it was always phrases, you love yourself. And it's taken a long time to dismantle what that has meant to me. And I've seen it in, you know, you start seeing it in magazines and in blogs and self-care has become something that has gained momentum over the last few years that I've noticed anyway. But I, I still had a very negative connotation deep down inside of me whenever I heard love yourself. And I was like, I can't. It's embarrassing. It's big headed. It's I don't want people to think I'm a narcissist like that. But it's not about that. You're recalling something that happened or may have As been a child. A, a child. Yeah. And still it's having an impact on how you see a particular phrase or how you experience a particular concept. So that goes to show, again, how powerful the messages are that we pick up all throughout life, at different stages of our life, and how they impact on us in the present. Definitely. It's like, it's what it evokes, isn't it? It's just this, it's, or it's taken a while to dismantle it, but I think, I think I'm getting there gradually. And I, I try every day to say that to my friends as well, to say that to any young girls who are following me on Instagram. And for that message to be, become normalised in the same way that Love Yourself was normalised in a negative way when we were growing up. No, absolutely. Um, I run a, a women's group and it's an intergenerational um, black women's group. So sort of the youngest would be about 22. And I think the last group, the eldest was 76. Okay. We were having conversations about loving yourself and what does that mean? And how were you taught to love yourself in the family growing up? The, what were the, the concepts around? that what did it look like and there was a woman in the group she, she was around her 40s and she said the best bit of advice that she got from her grandma about loving herself was to learn how to masturbate and everyone in the group was just like oh my god did she just say that <laughs> but then when she broke it down it was amazing because what she was saying was is that her grandma was saying to her it was like it was a type of contraception because what her grandmother was saying to her is, if you understand the intimate part of yourself with yourself, 
you're not going to really feel grateful for some kind of mediocre experience that Higgy you have Higgy Hagger, with... <laughs> Higgy Hagger. <laughs> you're not going to have a medi- mediocre experience and feel like, oh, wow, I can't believe that person's made me feel that way. And then move into what we call that kind of grateful zone. If you know how it is that you can make yourself feel, that's a great marker for what you're um, expecting from the outside. And I think to expand on that, what I would also say is when you date yourself, okay, someone comes along, you, you, you know, you look after yourself well, you care for yourself well, you know, you value yourself in a way that makes you feel great. When you date somebody who comes along and offers you less, you can spot it. If you date someone who comes along and says to you, I'm kind of at the same space that you're at, well, then that's good. You have the option to say to them, well, come, let we go, okay? And then if you've got someone who's offering you a little bit more than you thought you could have, well, there's no problem there. But if you don't have a relationship with yourself and you have no idea about what it is that you want, what it is that you desire or what makes you feel good, makes you feel valued, then the chances of you accepting a lot less than you're deserving is quite high. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Oh I don't know if needed to hear that today. But oh my I gosh. Yeah. <laughs> Preach the word, Dawn. Preach the word. I don't want single Dawn to kind of be made to look in a negative light. I think one thing about being single, Dawn, going back to what you've just said, is that you do become at one with yourself. And when I layer that on top of lockdown now as well, of having to spend weeks and weeks and weeks weeks like by myself like I've really had to deep who am I what do I want what values do I have so that like you said if someone does come along okay I've got something to pick them up against what tangible advice could you maybe give to some singledons who might be you know going down a rabbit hole of like you know being influenced by what they're seeing or feeling the pressures of I need a relationship I need it now I'm 30 like haven't got there yet when I first moved here I'd just gone through um, a breakup and I'd never really been on my own before because I live in a house full of brothers growing up. And then my friends at uni. And then I lived with like 3,000 Colombians when I lived in Argentina. And then I lived with my friends for six years in London. And now I'm finally on my own. And I was frightened. I was petrified at first. I was like, can I feel that silence? And the truth is, I don't need to. I, at first, I plugged up all my time with work. That year that I first moved in on my own, I worked every single day. I took three days off all year, including weekends. Like, I, I didn't stop. And I think it was because of this fear of being on my own and this fear of the silence. And instead, I've now learned to love that silence. Because as you say, when you can't go out, you look in. I've learned so much about myself. I've reflected so much. What I started doing was going on holiday on my own as well. Going on like, sounds really cliche, but like yoga retreats. I went around Mexico on my own. And I just, I realized that when I don't need to vocalize things that I'm seeing, that I'm enjoying. So when you, you know when you get off the plane and you see all the things around you, Um, And you're like a baby, you're perceiving it for the first time. And there's this just pure awe, pure wonderment. And usually you have to go, oh, wow, that's amazing. When you have to vocalize it, all of a sudden you feel it more intensely because you're, you're totally living in the present. So one thing I learned from being on my own is how to live in the present, how to enjoy every single ounce of joy, because joy is radical. Everything that's happening around you. I feel like I take it in better, not feeling like I have to be doing something all the time. It's like a pressure comes off yourself so you can enjoy your own presence and just feeling like my space is a haven. And in a lockdown, 
it meant that I was ready. Like I'd been preparing for years for this lockdown. And it was it was great because I can take three minutes every single morning to put on my favorite banger and just dance like no one's watching because no one is watching around my kitchen. And just no one can take that pure, unadulterated joy away from me. I have that no matter what I'm going through. I can do my voiceovers in the spare room, but then I can, equally I can watch whatever I want on the TV. And it's so simple. But the fact that I love my own company, the fact that I love solitude, it's so powerful because... I was born alone and I'll die alone. I know that I can be on my own. I know that I'm cool with that. So I did find that at the beginning of lockdown, I, I was looking through Instagram and occasionally I would see all these pictures of people who were locked down with someone else. And I did feel a little pang of sugar. Why did I not stay with someone so I'd have a companion for this? And then I would grab hold of myself and say, look what you've got. Look what you did. Look how happy and comfortable and powerful you are on your own. Look how lucky you are. And actually, I feel gratitude for that. I feel gratitude for having been able to build those layers, for be able to be so comfortable in my own space because it's given me confidence. It helped me actually find my own voice and realize who I am in this time. I think that it was a time to build above all else. And like, I feel stronger for it. And I don't resent it. Yeah, because loneliness and like isolation and anxiety are like, key emotions that data has showed are impacting data, especially in 2020 and in particularly women. So Dawn, is there any advice that you could give on how we could maybe navigate this? There's not really a lot more that I can add to what Victoria said in terms of uh, being able to cope with being on your own. I think one thing that I would definitely like to mention is that when everything went silent outside, it definitely the noise inside did increase. And I think that a lot of the things that we're we're blocking up with work or activities or things that, you know, things that keep us busy or things that identify us or seem to identify us suddenly came to a halt and we were left with ourselves. And I would say that it's really important that we don't feel afraid of ourselves. If there are things that we're finding that are difficult to to deal with, obviously I'm a big advocate of having therapy and looking at self-care to help you to to navigate and to process some of those things that have happened in your life that, you know, that maybe are causing you some emotional distress. That's always a good thing to do. But I also think that there is a lot of value with getting to know yourself and trying to appreciate yourself as a a wonderful, gorgeous individual. There's only one of you. Mm. And... That's something that's worth embracing because I think we do a lot of comparisons with what we're seeing out there. And we have to remember that a lot of what we see on social media is not a true depiction of everybody's life or everybody's relationship as well. Mm. So there is a lot to be said about finding out what the layers of yourself are and developing yourself into being a complete human being. I always laugh at that saying, um, you know, I just want to find the other half of me. Well, (laughs) Who wants you half of any? Home. I was like, who wants half of anything? I, I mm. want a whole of everything, mm. and it's what. And I'm sure that somebody out there that's looking to to be actively in the dating field is also looking for the whole of another person as well. So when you do decide to finally meet someone, it's two whole people who've come together, and just think how much more plentiful that is than two bits. <laughs> Your cup overfloweth. Yes. Um, yeah. So, so, how do we not link loneliness and singleness? You can be lonely in a room full of people. So, it's got nothing to do with being single. Loneliness is an emotion. It's a feeling, and we have to remember that as human beings, we we experience all types of feelings and emotions. And actually, if we're looking at mental health. 
and I've, I'll keep saying this because it's actually true, that, you know, the definition of good mental health is a human being's capacity to, to experience a full range of emotions and loneliness and envy and jealousy and anger and happiness and ecstasy are just part of that pantheon of, of emotions that we should experience as, as full human beings. Being single at that point simply just means that you're not in a relationship or you're not, you're not dating, you're not seeing somebody um, and that you've got time to be to spend with yourself doesn't have to be a negative thing at all. It's that thing, isn't it? It's understanding that it's okay not to be okay. And I say this every single day to the little girls I work with. Like it's, it's okay not to be okay. You will feel lonely sometimes. That's normal. It's completely normal. It's completely normal to feel everything. And you know what? If you feel lots of things, then that's, that's great. My relationship status has nothing to do with my mental health. My mental health comes first. I think it can do because we obviously there's things around self-esteem and, and whether you feel desired, et cetera, et cetera. But, you know, anything that means that we're coming, we're interacting with other people is going to have some impact on on um, our mental yeah. health maybe it's that yeah. they're not dependent on each other you can have you can feel great even if you're if you're on your own even if you're in yeah. a single relationship equally you can feel lonely in a relationship with yeah. with, with someone and I have definitely yeah have. So my mental health has been at the worst sometimes when I've been in relationships and that's not that it's not anyone's fault that's that's the chemicals in my brain mm. so how do we look after ourselves when so many and I would say particularly black women have to look after others. Is there any advice or tips that you guys would say we could follow to look after ourselves? If we're looking at dating particularly, we're looking at it from a perspective of a black woman is an enormous subject because we're weighed down by so many things, so many descriptions and titles that, that don't really belong to us, but have become part of our narrative, whether we like it or not. So there's, you know, lots of expectations about what we should be and how we should be and sometimes descriptions of how we are that don't suit at all. But I think in terms of taking back um, control when we're looking at, at dating, we, we first of all, I think deciding to go on a dating journey is part of taking back control. OK, that's a decision that you're making for yourself. I think it's important for you to understand that you have power and that you get to choose who you want to spend time with and who you want to be intimate with, okay? And that dating's also about, also about having fun. And that's a great thing. I think it's important, as we've said earlier on, to shut out some of the noise. When you meet someone for the first time, take a moment to think about what your thoughts are, you know? We come out of a date, get straight on the phone to a friend, and you're not really sure about what it is that you even feel. You know, it's it's led by what your friends are asking you yeah. and, and what they're asking. <laughs> I think another thing is to keep your hands in your pocket so that you can see if anyone's offering you something. I think it's a funny way of saying it, but I think sometimes we're so busy giving, 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 giving. Look at me. Look, this is how I'm going to shine for you. We don't actually realise in that blur of giving, giving, giving that when we stop and we stand still for a second, we realise, actually, there isn't really anything there for me. And I think when people have breakups, certainly in my consulting rooms, that's one of the things that people say, that they've gone all this time and they didn't realise how much they were filling in all of the, the lack, filling in, filling in, filling in. And it's something big happens that makes them stop and then suddenly they realise 
that there was nothing there in the first place, that they had been taking up and filling all the space. And you, you read into it so much that you see things where there is nothing. Like you'll see stuff in messages where you're like, look, he, he, he did try and reach out to me. He does like me. He's like, no, he just put an extra full stop on there. He just really took a bit of time to punctuate. Doesn't mean he likes you anymore. <laughs> uh, when we're looking at also, when we're looking at um, ways for black women to be, or, you know, what does your blackness define for you? I would say that mostly just be yourself and be fearless. You know, making the the first move doesn't make you thirsty, doesn't make you desperate, doesn't make you uh, a person of ill repute. It just means that you're prepared to see something that you want and go get it. If you've got something that you want in front of you and there's two people standing there, the person who goes for it has got more chance of getting hold of that thing than the person who stands still waiting. Well, women making the first move is not really something that's talked a lot about in black British culture. Why do you guys think that this is? I mean, the, the man is supposed to be in our culture, in, in Nigerian culture, the, the head of the house. And there's a lot of traditions that still are very strong. Um, I feel lucky that my mum has not really upheld them. Um, insofar as her and my dad are completely equal. Um, but that's not to say that when we go back to Nigeria, we don't still conform to certain things because it's we just don't want to rock the boat. You know, you don't want to cause too much aggravation. <laughs> but I wonder whether it's because there are so many patriarchal mores and norms that are still quite ingrained in our culture. And this is not the same for everyone. I know this is not the same, but there is still a slight expectation. And this is probably toxic for men as well, for the man to take the reins, to do the asking, to be as a result in control. This is not something that suits me that well, but um, but th- that that will put pressure on men too, who if they don't feel like doing the asking out, that's going to be tricky. And sometimes you don't want to always be like made to feel like, oh, you're an aggressor because you are taking charge of what you want. So there's a negative of that. And that's like, if I see something that I want, why should I not be comfortable to go and get it? Whereas, especially in our culture, you have to wait. The man should lead or, you know, there should be like the masculine energy, the female energy. Does that really apply now? Especially our parents moved to the west for a reason like part of that is adapting on newer cultural values cultural ideas cultural identities and kind of moving that conversation on a little bit yeah i agree with you i really do and i think it's damaging for both men and women actually um i think there's a pressure for it to kind of maintain a particular way for men to behave and for men to feel and to be and also what their expectations of you know their partners should be and and like you said things move on life changes life evolves it's 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 really quite difficult especially when we move away from our home where our borns or where our identity has been set we feel more akin actually to want to hold on to those identities because we're away from where they were born but at the same time there is a thing about wanting to kind of evolve and change things a lot of why things are the way they are are set in very practical reasons to do with things that don't really exist here or don't exist at the time that we live in at the moment you know in terms of what were women's roles 10-15 years ago you know what was the expectation of the woman and what what a woman is able to do now through the way that for evolvement through legislation through the way that things have changed for women in this country so again it's a difficult balance as human beings we thrive when we move 
and we have to we, we have move. to develop we have to keep moving we move, yeah. we move. We move. <laughs> obviously bumble is all about encouraging women to make the first move and that was actually going to be my next question like what tips would you have or give to anyone who's thinking about making the first move because my tip is you have to be in it to win it <laughs> i've always thought just not overthinking it that we've all been guilty of this but we play over all of the possible outcomes but the truth is it's either gonna go somewhere or it's not and it's not the end of the world if it doesn't you've not lost anything you've literally not lost anything you've got nothing to lose and you're so right what you're saying it just see it for what it is which is a chance to enjoy yourself a chance to meet a new person I think we often um we're seeking validation and we place so much value on what others think of us and actually it's not important especially if it's someone that you don't know yet and as a black woman especially because there are so many stereotypes that are tied up in our identity and that I don't know about you guys but I have taken on my whole life and started to believe myself it's taken a while to to dismantle those to, to unpack those and to be like actually no you don't have to conform to this idea that you are thirsty for making a first move you're being too bold too sassy too feisty too aggressive too forward you get called those things for expressing yourselves innocuously and that's not fair it's not right but actually I don't have to I don't have to listen because who I am has nothing to do with what you say I am so as soon as I stop thinking too much about what another person might think of me because it doesn't matter I feel far freer. And when making the first move, it's not tied up in any jeopardy. There is no jeopardy. You're not putting your neck on the line. To, I, I think getting rid of all of these things in your head, these ideas of putting your neck on your line or your head above the parapet or, it's, or taking a risk. It's not a risk. It's just living your life and having fun and trying to meet a new person. I think some of the, the descriptions that you, you listed there, I think are at the key actually of why black women sometimes feel a bit uncomfortable about making the first move. I think, you know, if we look into that whole narrative about, the you know, black women being aggressive, for example, or angry, I think we're, we're unconsciously trying to always disprove that. So in, in some way, we're worried about being described as such. So we tend to kind of move away from anything that might kind of equate to being too bold. Um, I also think that when we're talking about um, taking risks and what do you lose and stuff like that, you know, there's there is so much these days around uh, positive psychology. Everything that you feel, everything that you see has got to be, you know, it's got to be perfect, great, all up there. And there's no value placed on having experiences that are other than that. And I think if you if you make the first move and it doesn't have the outcome that you'd like it to have, you haven't lost. You've just learned something about yourself, not necessarily learned something about the other person and what they like. If you think about it in terms of, well, how do I deal with that feeling? How do I deal with rejection? Maybe I've got to find out, you know, have a toolbox for that. Or what did I what did I feel in that moment? Am I able to get up and just keep going? I think these things are really important in terms of building a better you and understanding who you are and, and building resilience for the dating game. Mm. Yes, <laughs> I love that. So just before we kind of round up, Vic, are you setting any relationship goals for no. 2021? Because me and you are in the same boat. So I'm going to hold you to yours I and you can maybe hold me to mine. I am not setting a single relationship goal <laughs> apart from the relationship with myself. And that is, do you know, yes. because God, we yeah. are alive since we're here. <laughs> yeah. 2020, 2020 vision going into 2021. Oh, but we've got 2020 I, think, vision. I think 2021 vision is going to be better. But like, 
goals, as we said before, they're so rigid that your tunnel vision, you can't see what's going on either side of that tunnel. And there's so much beauty out there. I don't know what the future holds. None of us do. This year has proved that. And yet there has been a lot of positive to come out of this year. And it's always worth remembering that. Um, In terms of relationships, I enjoy dating. I enjoy meeting new people. I'm just trying to have fun with it. Sometimes you can date. Sometimes you can't. Sometimes it's a lockdown. Sometimes it's not. Sometimes it's a walk. Sometimes it's the pub. Sometimes the pubs are closed. Like, I don't know what the future holds, but I'm not in a rush because look, I'm not going to outlive life. So I may as well live it while I can. It's short. It's fleeting. Have a good time. Meet other people who are having a good time too. Meet other people who are full cakes. We have to be full human beings. And then we're just two whole people. (laughs) We're just two whole people dancing. And I love dancing. Sis, me too. Queen of the nighttime. Minister of minister of enjoyment is my is what I'm going to put on my bumble profile. Um, guys, you have to be in it to win it. We're winning it, sis. Don't even worry about it. Guys, thank you so thank much. You. It's been such a pleasure. Like, thank honestly, you. Thank, thank you. you. But guys, um, thank you so much for joining me. Like, I've loved talking to you guys so much. I've learned so much today. And I hope you guys listening have to find out more by following the hashtag my love is black love and download Bumble so you can put into practice the tips shared here today by Dawn and Vic. It's all over. My love is black love. It always has been and it always will be. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Peace out. Oh, 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 oh,